Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. CMS Music with Chris Aiken, and I, of course, am Chris Aiken. And joining me today, you really, if you're a metal fan, you know who this guy is already. You certainly don't need me to intro him. I will, though, anyway. He is the um, the longest of longtime bassists with the Mighty Anthrax. Uh, you may know him from a couple of other projects that he's done along the way, whether it's um, Attitudes and Altitudes and, you know, the working with David Ellison and lots of different projects. But you know him from Anthrax. Let's just be real here. He is um, here with a brand new book called Fathers, Brothers, and Sons, Surviving Anguish, Abandonment, and Anthrax. He is the great Frankie Bello. Frank, how are you, man? Chris, what's going on, dude? How are you? I'm good, man. And it is great to talk to you. It Amy, is- I'm glad you're healthy. I'm glad you're, you're there. I'm glad you're, I'm glad we're above ground. All the good <laughs> stuff that we want to hear, right? Exactly, man. It's, you know, in, in today's world, like we were saying right before we started, today's world, that all by itself is the blessing you can, you can take with you. <laughs> Let's take it with us, man. I'm, I'm, you're above ground. You're good to go. That's the way I look at it these days. Exactly, man. Well, dude, I got to say, after reading, I haven't finished the book, but I've read mm. most of the book. Thanks. Surprised you're above ground, man, for different reasons, obviously, <laughs> man. I would have, you know, here, here it is before and after. Before reading your book, you're the wild guy that I don't know much about in Anthrax. You know, <laughs> after the book, it's like, holy shit, has this guy been through the ringer? I mean, you've really... I, I give you a lot of credit. I, I write books myself and I've written books about divorce and an accident I was in and stuff. So I, I understand putting out your real stuff. Yeah. That being said, man, this had to be very difficult for you to write. No, it was, you know, a difficult slash cathartic slash uh, freeing um, just, and the weight is kind of lifted. I know you hear that from a lot of people who write books, but for, for me, it's really because I'm in. A, I guess I've had it. I look at it this way: I've had a good run, Chris. You know what I mean? I've had a good run with the whole band thing, and if people now that if they read the story of my life, which is weird even to say that, just so you guys right. know, um, the you know all the the slap downs in life that gives you, you know, the peaks and valleys. There's a lot of valleys. So sure. what I guess I'm in the reflective time of my life, knowing that I have a 15 year old son that I'm I'm raising. And I have to make sure that he knows no matter how many times you get slapped down in life, you have to pick yourself up, brush yourself off and move on to the next day. 
Otherwise, you stay down there. Sure. And that's that's what I've learned, Chris. And I, I think it's really important. And now that I'm now that the book is out for what a week and a half now, so many people are reading. I'm getting so many letters and comments. Thank you because I connect with this and there's people who've lost loved ones in their life, people who who've been depressed, all that stuff that I've gone through. Uh, people who've had loss of a family member, as I have, my my brother was murdered, all that stuff. Um, and they're finding that if I brush myself off, and I always I say this in the book, if I did it. You can definitely do it. It's sure. not a self-help book, but it's like, I just, at this point, I just want to pay it forward. It's like, dude, I did it and you can do it. Sure. Kind of like that. Well, and, 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 you know, man, for, for anybody that's had success and obviously you've had great success with anthrax, you know, it, it, it does seem like there is that backstory for just about anybody that has that kind of success. And maybe people don't hear it, you know, maybe it's not as freely heard, but, I, I'm personally a believer that you have success because you've had to fight. You know, anybody that doesn't have to fight real hard to get it really doesn't feel it to earn it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know what, Chris? It makes sense because having whatever you go through in your life, the, the peaks and valleys, as I call it, yeah, you know, you get slapped down enough that builds a work ethic to make you work harder to get to wherever you want to go. For me, my work ethic is, you know, it has to be like that because that's my life. You always have to scratch and claw. It, you know, nothing's handed. Nobody nobody in my family handed me millions of dollars. It doesn't work like that. I'm a blue collar guy from the Bronx. That's the way it was. I, I grew up, worked in a deli. Look, my dad took off when I was 10 years old. Five kids, I was the oldest, right? Mm-hmm. Abandonment, welfare, the whole thing. I had to go live with my grandmother because my mom, it, was, it wasn't working in that house because it, we went to a low income thing low-income housing uh, area, and uh, I got my ass kicked every day. My survival was going to my grandmother's house. Right. Where Charlie Benanti, who I'm related to, he's my uncle, lived. So my grandmother is Charlie's mom. Okay. She took me in, and I saw Charlie, how great he was at four years old, playing drums. At four years old, this dude was awesome. (laughs) It was a big influence on me. Wanting, I wanted to play after I saw him. I said, I want to do something. I like this. I, I like the way that... That, that that feels, that's a good vibe. And that inspired me to play. And so Charlie and I grew up quite, kind of like brothers in the same house and we jam all the time. And, you know, it was a great oasis for me. It was my safe home, no pun intended. Sure. Um, it was really a great atmosphere for me to grow up in. Coming from all the stuff I came from, I was, I'm very thankful. And this, this says it all. My grandmother, Tina Babes, we call her, rest her soul. She was a be- very big, big influence on my life. Sure. Now, I, I, I have to ask, how how did she react when you when you decided to go into music? Because, you know, as well as I do, you come home that one day and you say, yep, I'm going to be a rock star. And every single person around you is like, go get a job, you know, <laughs> you know. So how was that? How was that perceived? You know, well, Chris, you did that. Chris, the, the great thing about my grandmother is she's a very free and loving person. So she wanted us to follow our dreams. You had to get, look, the bottom line is with me, it was, I knew I had to get my schoolwork done. So I graduated, you know, I, I went to the high school. I went to the whole, all through high school. I actually graduated when I got in the band Anthrax, I auditioned and they were going on tour. So I was still in high school, dude. Right. So I was, still, <laughs> I was still in high school at 17 years old. So it was my final year. And they, this program that my school had, this high school in the Bronx had where you can double up your credits 
for half a year and you can graduate six months early. And I knew Anthrax was going on tour and I wanted to do that tour. Nice. So I got in the band and I made sure, dude, I made sure I doubled up. So I went in like eight o'clock in the morning and stayed till like four and four thirty in the afternoon, made sure I doubled up on everything, got all my credits, graduated six months early and went on tour with Anthrax. And I call it the college of Anthrax. But going back to my grandmother, she was she knew I had a great work ethic that way. I knew I had to finish my schooling. I think I thought that was important. But and having Charlie in the house, being such a great talent, and so that was my paved way in. So for me to follow suit what Charlie was doing, it was it was an easy thing, and she wanted to see us succeed. And um, it's a very poignant thing for me because I remember going through the you know the whole the whole career of Anthrax. This is all in the book. Sure. It was so great to have my grandmother, who passed with can unfortunately with cancer, with lung cancer, a woman who's never smoked a day in her life. Ugh. To have her at the quintessential anthrax show, Yankee Stadium, in a box. We had her up in a in a in a, a luxury box watching her two boys, right. her grandson and her son, play Yankee Stadium, which is, you know, for me in my lifetime, the, the, the biggest highlight we've had so far. Sure. It's it's absolutely the pinnacle. And it's it's great that you had the moment with her, that it didn't happen too late, you know, that exactly it, because know, after that, then you know, the cancer took its course and sure. it was it was rough and it's all in the book. And I, I helped her, you know, I brought her the chemo and it was it was a terrible time. Like everybody goes a lot of people go through the same thing. Sure. Um so people will understand. There's a lot of connections in this book, Chris. That's what that's where the people understanding it's about family. It's about right. Growing up in a in a metal band, I have a family member in the metal band. Charlie Benetti is my literally my my family member, and um, again, there's a lot of great great rock and roll stories. There's Pantera. We have a lot of great Pantera stories. Metallica, you know, just a lot of fun Kiss stories. Um, I I did this because it it needed to be said, and I wanted to celebrate the women in my life. And it's a dedication to my brother, who passed also. Sure. And that was, that's another piece of, of your story that is truly, truly, you know, sad, but, uh, yeah. but uh, an amazing, amazing, your, your take on it is pretty amazing that you're not, you did at least book wise. And, and again, I said, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read most of it. You don't come off as, a, as greatly bitter as I think most people would be for something so horrific. You came across almost. I don't want to say enlightened, but not, not, not just raging angry. You, you, you know, and, and surprised me a little bit to be, to be honest. No, I'm glad it comes off like that because you kind of deal with it every day. Just for the, the people that are watching this and listening to this right now, my brother, unfortunately, um, March 25th, 1996 was murdered. Um, he was murdered in the streets of the Bronx. Uh, the assailant, the alleged, the alleged murderer got away with it. And, um, I went off the deep end after that. Right. I um, I went dark, and I say this in the book, you know, and I say this because people have to know this. My wife didn't even know about this story because I didn't tell anybody what I was doing after my brother's murder. I kind of snapped after I saw my brother under the sheet, and you can read the details of it all sure. when, you, when you read the book. I kind of snapped when I saw, you know, it's like a, a, a law and order murder scene is what you sure. see. My, my mm -hmm. brother was under the sheet. And uh, all that was hanging out were his new sneakers that I realized he just bought, but there was blood on it. And that still scarred my head. Wow. And I think that just went me, that made me snap. And this was, I think we had another, we had a tour plan. It was, I was in Anthrax and 
I just blocked everything out and I went dark and anthrax didn't matter. Family didn't matter. All I wanted was revenge. Right. And from, for the next two weeks, and this is the God's honest truth. Uh, I went to that same area and I hunted mm. and I hunted and I talked to the wrong people. I got things that I should not have had in my hands because I've never, I've never shot a gun in my life. Right. You know, I have, I was already, uh, I was stalking, I was staking out, I was staking out like people do outside of places, uh, and ready. Um, fortunately two weeks in after apparently, um, alleged, alleged person who did this moved. I heard he's, he was in hiding two weeks after it, I was thinking as I was sitting in on one of the stakeouts, I was just sitting outside, waiting out the, outside this coffee shop. And I had the thought of my mother. I said, how did I get in this air? How did I get in this place? Right. And I thought, what is my mom going through right now? It was right here. And then I said, it came to me. He's like, look, if I do this, it's going to come out one of two ways. Either I'm going to, it's going to be retribution and I'm dead. Right. Retribution straight out. That More than likely that would have happened. Or sure. I'm going to go to jail. So all I had in my head and when it opened up to me, it was like, all right, she's going to lose another son either way. And that kind of maybe, you know, slapped me silly. He's like, get up. You got to get out of this. You have to get out of this. And my brother, I had him in my head too. He's like, he would just like, he would just bitch slap me and say, dude, go back home. You aren't this guy. Leave it alone. And I know my brother would have said that. Um, but, and that's what happened. I pulled it away, went into therapy right after that. Cause I knew I, I, I went dark dude and I was scared for who I was, I was sure. you know, and that's the truth. So, Again, that's what people are relating to in the book, too, because I know this is a really serious issue we're talking about here. People are coming back with their losses and seeing how I got out of it and saying if Frank could do it, then maybe I can do it and it's giving them a chance. So I'm, I'm really I love connecting like that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to to the point I was trying to make the. I guess I, I, I'm trying to make the point at the end of it, you were able to, I don't want to say let it go. Cause you don't ever let no, that go, but you put it in its place. You put, you, you kind of put it in its place compartmentalized in your head it's right to, here, Chris. Yeah. It's literally right here. It's, it's always there, right? It's always, there's this little cloud right here, but you know, it's, you know, you keep it at bay, you know, you don't let it in, you know, what happens when you go into therapy, they give you these tools, how to adjust your mind. Sure. That's what happens. And, um, and you know, I have to credit because I listen to a lot of Howard Stern sure. and he's been in therapy for a long time. And it really, I've, I've been a fan of his since the beginning. So he's always been in therapy. And I, I, I had that as, you know, it's like, man, Howard can get into this, then I could probably, it made it okay to go to therapy. You know, mm-hmm. you know I said, if it's helping him, maybe it can help me because I'm a, I'm a fucking whack job right now. <laughs> and right. Uh, I was really worried, dude, there's nothing worse when you don't know yourself and then you don't know what you're capable of. Dude, I've never. I've never shot a gun in my life. Okay. Never. Not interested. No offense to anybody who likes it. I don't, I don't, for me, it just didn't, I didn't want it. Right. And I was the exact opposite guy of what I was. That's right. the scary part. And it was no controlling it. And, right? and, and the other, you know, and, and probably not even something that you consciously thought about, but you live a life where you go so up and down on adrenaline, you know, I mean, you hit the stage, you're going 5,000 miles a minute, way more, way more than anybody else. You, you live a life where you can take yourself up to that level where a lot of people that's, that's a big adjustment that maybe scares them where you could get that adrenaline going. And that's kind of what you do No, Kind of, kind of interacted there. It's a good point. It really is because that, that point you can get right up. You're going, 
you know, it's it's your time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God. And that's the scary part. The scary part is that, is that when I go on the stage, I kind of know what I'm going into. This, I didn't know it, but the scary part, Chris, was I didn't care. Right. It didn't matter. And nothing, nothing, my family, you know, the whole thing, the anthrax thing, nothing mattered. And I, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not being bravado boy here. Sure. And that was just the fact. It made me snap when seeing him under that sheet. It fucked me up. I'm I get it. Yeah. And um, I don't want anybody to go through that. I pray nobody ever has to go through that. But it did happen to me. And maybe by me talking about this, and this is my my therapeutic session here, maybe by me going through it, maybe people that hopefully not as dramatic as that, going through tough times, seeing that, well, Frank went through this, maybe I can brush myself off and and, and move on, you know, sure. hopefully. No doubt, man. Well, dude, I, I want to circle back. And boy, there's a lot of circling back to ugly stuff here. But I want to <laughs> circle back to to um, the stories about your dad leaving for a minute. Not so much, sure. not so much him leaving, but you've made it very clear in the book. And you've even said it here a couple of times. You've got a 15 year old son, you know, and a big part of the book deals with getting through abandonment. That being said, yeah. you're in a you're in a you're a musician in a in a band that's always on tour. Yes. You know, and that has trying to find the balance between that, between what you feel was awful for you and making sure it doesn't happen to your kid. I have to imagine is probably one of the toughest struggles that you face day to day now. No. Great question, Chris. Um, yeah, it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. And just so you know, I've had, I had my kid late in life because of that realize and, you know, my wife, I was with my wife. We were married for a while. I mean, uh, and I had my kid when I was 39 years old. So, you know, and he's 15 now. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a real deal reality check for me. And I made sure I was, because man, thankfully now Anthrax is at the point in our lives, in our career, where we've, we've paid a lot of our dues and we are able to pick and choose the tours and how long. We want to be on those tours. Right. So we're all family guys in the, in the band. You know, we, Charlie has a, Charlie has a kid. Scott has a kid. So we we really make sure we're the best dads we can be. So for me, it really works out well. And um, we want to be home for the most part. And really, when we tour, it has to be right. It has to be specific times uh, and, and making sure our families can handle it. And uh, look, and this great technology thing. Well, we didn't have in the 80s and yeah. even the 90s. We didn't have the FaceTime thing, you know, Chris? Mm -hmm. That makes life a whole lot easier. Not the same as sure. being home, but the face the face yeah. vibe goes a long way. And I could talk to my son and how was your day and all that stuff. It's very important. But um, this is what we've chosen for a living. So I'm very I'm very fortunate. I know how lucky I am to be able to make a, make a living in this business, especially sure. now. So um, this is how I feed my family. Uh, this is my job. And um, this, so it's the balancing act, right? You, the mm -hmm. yin and yang. Sure. Do you, do, A, does your son have any aspirations to jump into this? And if he did, what would you tell him? Would you tell him yay or would you tell him no way, not the way it is now? I think he loves me. He's a music lover. When Brandon comes home from school today, I'll pick him up later. He'll come home. Headphones go right on. He's rocking out. He's walking around the house. He's okay. singing every song. That's whatever he's into. He's into a bunch of different things. He's into hip hop. He's into metal. He's into everything, which I love. I, I'm glad that he's opening his horizons, which is great. But I, I put guitars around. He doesn't play guitar. He sings a lot. He's got an actually really nice voice. Um, he has a good tone, but I just leave guitars around. I don't want to say, here, you do this. I'm not going to push him. I just leave guitars strategically around my house. 
to maybe build the inspiration. And I play, I'm always around the house just playing everywhere. So I think he's definitely into it. And if he wants to do it, absolutely, as long as the schooling's done. And I, I know I sound like the old school dad there, but, <laughs> right. but that has to be instilled because I can't see, I want a backup plan because in this world, that's so important. Right. I sound like a father here, but that, that is the truth because I had that work ethic. I needed to get my, my, uh, my diploma. You right. Know, at least my diploma. And if I wasn't going to go to college, because I went straight into the College of Anthrax, and um, it's been nonstop since then. That that I got I got fortunate. I got lucky with that. Sure, no question. Now, you, I I didn't pick it up. But if it's said in the book or not, maybe I just haven't gotten there yet. But it, mm -hmm. is your is your father still alive, or did he pass, or do you know? I, and there's no disrespect. I don't even know the dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I heard he's around somewhere. I don't pay attention. Here's what I do. I guess I compartmentalize things. Sure. That's all the way back there. Like something I don't even bring up uh, for me because I, I don't need it. You know, what happens is you adapt to life without. Sure. Cut, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys who cut people. If they, if anything out, goes wrong in our lives, I cut it out right. and, and feed on the positive. I don't go negative. Okay. Uh, it's not worth my time. Life, I found out when my brother passed, life is not even that long. It's right. that long. Right. So I, I want to enjoy each moment and uh, there's no time for the negativity. And I won't sure. if it even attempts to come into my life. I kind of block it out. So you never had that big successful anthrax moments where you were like, Hey, fuck you, dad. Look what I did. <laughs> you know, this, you know, it's not even about that. It's like, I, I, for me, it's about independence and saying, yes, uh, again, this is the part of the book. This is a big story in the book. I brush myself off and I'm fucking doing whatever I want to do. And thank God for the, for the career I've had. And really, I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, I want to reach the, the peak, whatever that is, in spite of being put in that position. So there's a lot of people that are writing into me, which is great about abandonment and having been left and how they want to make the best life for themselves. Maybe, maybe they can get, I don't care if it's one person that can get inspired from my story and move on to get to that peak that they want. That's what's important to me now because I don't want to see people feel like shit. I'm tired of it. I see there's too much negativity around. Look at the COVID thing it's done to us. Amen. I'm just tired of it. And I just, I want, I want positivity and you need to put it out there. Really. It's, it's important. No, I, I totally agree. Well, let's get to, let's get to something that could be a positive that being new anthrax music. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to John, John Denae, I don't know, maybe a month ago at most. And he told me flat out, you probably saw it on Blabbermouth, that, that he had not heard any music and there was nothing that he had heard at all. And he didn't know what was going on. So I will ask you, what is going on? Is there music? Is there ideas? Is there anything close to coming? Here's is Chris. And I can tell you this straight from my publicity agent who before this interview said, don't talk about anthrax writing, right? Okay. Because she wants to keep everything tight because yes, I can be honest with you. We are writing, okay. we are writing a record, which is great. And I'm very happy. But if I say any more and it's nothing like a veil or anything like that, it's not nothing sure. secretive. We just want to just do our own thing at our own pace. But yes, we are absolutely working hard and uh, psyched and, um, and the word heavy is good. Very good. <laughs> awesome. Cause I'll just tell you, it's time. It's I'm it's with time. you. I'm absolutely. I can't wait. Look next year at this time, dude, I want, I want to be talking about different things. I want to be talking about tours. I want to be talking about records, all that good stuff. But I think this is a really good time an angry time for metal. It's, it's really good to write some, some riffs right now because everybody's got this angst and ready to fucking go. Exactly. I think that's all very good for, 
riff writing and, and songwriting for the metal for the metal crowds the and, metal bands. And, and for book writing as you've proven right now as you've <laughs> you've got and just, just one more or one or two quick ones about the book that have really yeah, nothing to do with well, content, but, but um you worked with one of my personal friends with joel mcgyver who's, who's just the king man it's i'm Absolutely. so envious of how that guy can spit out a book that's damn near word perfect He's incredible. Like, it's amazing. So how, how did, did you know Joel or did you, were you yeah. introduced? Well, as you know, through Bass Player Magazine, of course, I've known Joel for quite a long time. We've been, you know, Joel is so meticulous. And I said this in another interview because I couldn't, I just talked to, I just talked to Joel at the time. Uh, we're pretty much in contact every day. Um, and he said to me that, do you realize we started to talk about writing this book eight years ago, eight years ago. Wow. And I, I just brought it up to him. I said, because he did the Dave Ellison, my friend Dave Ellison, sure. he did his book. I said, that's that's great. You're doing, you do great. Well, aside from his other great work, I said, dude, so whenever you're ready, let's 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 do a book. And I, I just planted it there. And then we just tried to look for scheduling. That's all it was, dude. I was always on tour. He's writing another. It was always like that. COVID hit, man. I was sitting in this seat, Chris, this seat. Right. Emailing. This might be. I just said to him, I'm just letting you know, I'm in my basement. I'm I'm. I'm playing, I'm writing riffs and stuff like I'm writing music. That's good. But this might be the time, dude. It just so happened. It opened up and it just, the session started. I had a big box of tissues right here, crying my eyes out for most, a lot of this book. And just, and again, some of them for happy tears because we were laughing our asses off with some sure. of the stories because the great thing about Joe MacGyver, he's great at igniting a story in my head that I thought was long gone. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just don't remember. And one phrase, one line, whatever it is, one person that could open up a story. And all of a sudden, this stuff started flowing out. And fun stories to kind of live. I was living them again, sure. thankfully. I mean, the painful stories were, were crushing to relive. Mm-hmm. But the fun stories, the, the, the Pantera stories, the Dimebag, all that grace, the Vinnie Paul, um, you know, all the, the Kiss stories with Gene Simmons, who wrote the forward in my book. I'm very proud to say that. I'm, I'm still... Right. Pinching myself with that, that's incredible that it comes full circle, me being such a diehard Kiss fan and Gene fan, that uh, he writes an amazing forward to my book that uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm just- Yeah, it's I'm a big deal. I, it's, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't lend himself to anybody. Not really. No, and that's another great thing. Joel, uh, Joel hit, hit me with that one day. He goes, what do you think about Gene Simmons writing a forward? I, I just, I get out of here. There's no way he'll do it. I, I know Gene a long time and I love him and sure. we're friends and- He's a, he's a hero of mine. I just didn't think he goes, Joe, Joe said, let me just, let me just give him a call and tell him it's for you. He did this dude. He did it. It's a poignant, beautiful, beautifully, beautifully written um, forward that um, I never heard Gene talk like that about his dad, uh, about, I didn't know the whole story. I knew he had a beautiful mom that he loved. And she was, I met her once. She's a beautiful woman, very nice and rest her soul. Um, but I didn't know that story with Gene. And right. it hit home for me. And to be in my book is an honor. It's an honor. Sure, definitely. And and it's just one last. It's it's been several years now. But has there been a bigger loss in your mind in the bass playing world than Lemmy? No. That's it's it's tough. Cliff, Cliff was hard. Cliff was tough too, yeah. Cliff, Cliff was tough, but Lemmy was tough because I did I've done so many anthrax has done so many tours with Roadhead. We we all became close, band and crew. So mm-hmm. Lemmy, and there's, there's a great story in the book. I don't know if you got up to this part yet in the book of Lemmy. Uh, when we were on tour. I could tell you guys this, listening and watching this. 
one of my favorite times with Lemmy in my life was a fanboy time. Uh, we toured with Motorhead, Anthrax Motorhead. It was a long tour. So I would do, I would take advantage of how lucky I was to be on tour with Motorhead. I would watch their sound checks from the monitor board on the side of the stage, right? right. So I'd watch this every day and they do different songs, which is kind of cool, you know? So I just, and I'd be like the, I'm a fan. I'm a headbanger, right? I'm into it. So this is about, I say six feet from, from Lemmy on the mic. I'm just watching everything he does because I'm a student. I'm a bass student. I'm watching the way he picks, how fast he picks, what he does to his sound. I want to I want to learn everything. So this is every day I'm doing this pretty much. So right. one day Lemmy's doing his thing, right? And they stop, right? And he, he looks at me because I see him looking at the corner of his eye during the song. And he looks at me. He stopped. They stop. He goes, hey, come here. I'm fucking petrified. I said, he's bringing me to the stage in front of his mic. Dude, this is what happens. I don't know if you read this in the book. This is all in the book. So I go to the stage. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. But it's Lemmy calling me over. So I'm going. So right. I walk over. He takes off his bass. Sit on me. Lemmy's bass, dude. So, ah, right? right? It's incredible. So I'm freaking the fuck out. Lemmy just put his bass on me. He goes, puts out a pick. Here. Yeah. Points to his amps. He goes, go. Go for it. You know, go for it, right? Dude, I don't know if you've ever been anywhere near uh, an amplifier that oh, Lemmy yeah. plays through his amps. It's the loudest thing in in, mm-hmm. in, in life. So. Sure. I can I compare it in the book to you know the movie uh, Back to the Future Michael yeah. J Fox in the beginning <laughs> where is that big speaker mm-hmm. and he hits the chord and he gets blown back right that was me dude I so you know Lemmy knows everything he's doing at this point so he puts it on me and he's just anticipating he's just watching me so I go up to Lemmy's amp and I go I thought I was fucking I thought I was trying to be cool I wanted to look cool in front of Lemmy so I went up and I I hit the, the power E chord dude I took like three or four steps back it blew me the fuck back literally blew me back it was so blew me back it was so fucking loud I've never heard anything on any stage louder than that right. and so so I, I I fall back three three or four steps and I see Lemmy <laughs> he's laughing it's just like that Lemmy laugh it was so right. fucking awesome so he goes like it i said i fucking love it thank you so much because i checked it out it was great then i played some motorhead stuff it was great but then he goes he takes the bass back he goes and he puts puts something picks something out of his pocket he goes holds me up a pick and he goes yeah these are the ones i play with not the ones on the, on the mic stand <laughs> i still have that pick dude nice. that's how that's how special lemmy was to sure. me and to, uh, to everybody let's face it he's, yeah. a, he's a legend and the interesting thing about Lemmy, I honestly think his persona might be bigger than his music, as great as the music was. The person, the per- I'll just tell you, I- I've written six books. Every one of the books is dedicated to my grandfather, my father, and Lemmy. I because because wow. for me personally, I live my life the same way of don't give a fuck what anybody says, do it your way, and it'll work it. its well, it'll work itself out. And I mean, that's probably bigger than the ace of spades or overkill or you know whatever you know it's a way of life it's an absolute way of life i love that look we all love lemmy i've I've always loved lemmy i will always love it i'll I'll always be influenced by lemmy in my playing and in my persona because i want to i want to live life to its fullest live it let me live life to its fullest and that's what i love about him i mean he just went for it and Mm -hmm. be yourself he taught people to taught me as, as an aspiring bass player to, to be yourself, play your way. And I thought that was important. That's still that way of life, that mm-hmm. great sound he had. Listen to that, man. It's just, that was quintessential Lemmy. That was Lemmy, man. 
Yeah. Nobody will ever be like Lemmy. He was he was awesome. He was a legend. He totally agree. Well, in some in some people's circles, Frank Bello is a legend as well. Um, oh, thank you. I, 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 I'm a student. I I, I just want to learn, man. Well, <laughs> I want to keep learning. Well, thank you. There's a lot of people that have learned from you, man, and I know you know that, man. As obviously with the Big Four and Anthrax, and you know all the different things that you've done have been been you know for metal fans have been just what has entertained us for. 35 40 years you know and and you're doing it still man brand new book is out now fathers brothers and sons surviving anguish and abandonment and anthrax came out november 2nd i strongly urge everybody to go get it and uh Thank frank you, where, where, where should we tell people to go to pick up this book and to you keep can get it at uh and I, this is embedded in my brain at our publishing uh rare bird it's rare bird lit okay w, you know a r a r e Bird, B-I-R-D-L-I-T, rarebirdlit.com. And you can get it on Amazon, either one. The rarebirdlit.com has signed. They have them signed, so you can get them there if you want it signed. Awesome. Very good, man. Well, one more time, the book is called Fathers, Brothers, and Sons, Surviving Anguish, Abandonment, and Anthrax. And Frank, as always, man, it's great to talk to you here on CMS Music. Same here, Chris. I'm glad you're feeling well, dude. Stay healthy, okay, brother? I'm going to try. All right, man. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Classic Metal Show. Get all of our episodes uncensored at www.theclassicmetalshow.com. Join us weekly from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. Eastern at www.cmsradio.net. Participate in the live chat room at www.chatandkill.com. Once again, thank you for checking out The Classic Metal Show with Neely and Chris. Hail and kill. Fuck you, pal. And hand job. You're watching Heavy Metal. 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 Heavy